Dr. Wendy L. Patrick. Dr. Patrick is a career trial attorney, a former hate crime prosecutor, frequently teaching on eliminating bias and discrimination, and she authored a chapter in the Encyclopedia of Race and Racism and Hate Crimes, Causes, Controls, and Controversies. She was last on the show on February 12th. More than a pleasure to have Dr. Patrick back with us. Uh, Dr. Patrick, thank you for holding uh, holding uh, during that break. Uh, welcome back. And we were talking during uh, the third hour on the yesterday show about this. I was mentioning that I was channel surfing the other night and got sucked into this documentary called The Jinx on HBO, not knowing what it was about, who it was about, or who the heck this Robert Durst guy was. But now... After the arrest, it's breaking, you know, breaking news, top of, you know, uh, to, uh, top of uh, trending on Twitter, all over the Internet, lead story on local and national news, definitely local in California, New York, and Texas. But a lot of people now know who he is when they hadn't uh, in uh, the past. Uh, thank you for joining us. Yes, you know, what, Leslie, you talked about a season finale. I mean, could the drama have gotten any higher than what happened immediately after the show? So you're absolutely right. Everybody knows who this guy is now. And like you were saying, he's fascinated by this chronicle of his life. You know, you know just work with me here. You, you know, lie detector are not admissible in a court of law, the results of that. Many taped conversations, depending on the state you're in or how it was obtained because of entrapment and things like that, aren't admissible. How likely is this not to be uh, thrown out, being that the guy, although was mic'd, was in the restroom and one could argue just mumbling and talking to himself, and he does seem to be a, an odd nut, you know, it could even be argued, you know, it's just the ramblings of an old man. Yeah, you know, it shows it's not just politicians that get caught on a hot mic. And as you know, Leslie, in the media business, it happens all the time. Regarding the admissibility in court, that's one of the issues, is this is not some sort of a coerced statement. It's not a custodial interrogation. Remember, he signed up to do this show. In fact, he approached them with some expressing interest in being involved. And also remember that that wasn't the first time he got caught with his mic on. There's another There's another episode in it shows his lawyer warning him that he's got a hot mic, or it shows him sitting in a chair and rehearsing what he's going to say. So this is a circumstance that is completely voluntary. There's no coercion, and it's a very different scenario where the government is moving towards trying to get some sort of a confession or an admission out of the suspect. Very different circumstance here. So that really weighs in favor of its admissibility. Now, don't get me wrong, it's going to be high, you know, heavily litigated on both sides, but these are some of the things that distinguish Distinguish it from the traditional kind of confession we're used to seeing in a court of law. Okay, but if I mean, you know, there are times that I've been like, I want, you know, I'll say to one of my girlfriends, you know, oh, my husband, you know, you know, ticked me off so bad last week I could have killed him, or he was snoring so bad I wanted to take the <laughs> pillow and suffocate. I mean, I'm just saying that we say things to people off the cuff out of anger, and you know, like when I was growing up, if you know, I said to my mother. Um, I hate you, or I don't want you as a parent, my head would have reached the other side of the room. Now that because, and, and I wouldn't have said something like that till I was 16. Now my seven-year-old, my seven-year-old oh, says boy. things like that to me. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to justify, believe me, I believe this guy's guilty of sin and killed all three of the, his people, including his wife, yeah. who, you know, his first wife, who we don't know where she is. Uh, but, um, there, you know, people say things and don't necessarily mean them. 
And that is what has got a lot of people buzzing about the significance, the weight to attach to these statements. Now, obviously, they're very damning, but there's, you know, we're, we're analyzing them in a, amidst a sea of circumstantial evidence of other kinds. So, of course, in a vacuum, were we not to know the, the cloud of suspicion that has followed this guy around for, you know, almost three decades, we may not think anything of it. We might think this guy's losing his mind, he's muttering, what's he talking about? But what we're doing, Leslie, is it is we're putting it in context with everything we already know. And we're also putting it into context given the topic of the interview that immediately preceded these statements. And when you do put it in that context, it takes on a whole new meaning. But you're right, that's going to be the basis on which it's attacked is how can you say it's, it's is it too, so vague that we don't know what he's talking about, which is why context is going to be critical when analyzing, you know, how significant is this. Many people think that the handwriting analysis is even more significant than these statements are. A lot of people do um, get angry when they see that this guy has so much money, and when you have that, he had the best defense money could buy. And, you know, there are even stats that show the more money you have, the easier it is to maybe get away with it. A lot of people view O.J. Simpson having done that with his uh, his, uh, defense team. And, you know, we're hearing that comparison made more and more, you know, um, and it reminds me of all the footage that was shown, you know, the most hated man alive when they showed O.J. on his golf cart, you know, just really kind of living as a free man. What's interesting about that comparison, though, this guy, Durst, he did no such thing. In fact, he he has lived everywhere from disguised, cross-dressed as a mute woman to doing odd public behavior. Remember, he was arrested for urinating on a candy rack at a pharmacy last year. I mean, it's one odd thing after another, arrested for shoplifting with all the millions of dollars that he has. So there's a, a big distinction. It's almost as if this guy has been hiding out, sort of uh, sort of punctuated by bursts of public criminality that almost as an afterthought, and he's arrested, charged with misdemeanors. So he's leading a very eccentric life. The question we're going to see played out now is, how is that going to impact his case? We've seen lots of eccentric criminals go on trial, and we've seen varying results. You know, not guilty with the Michael Jackson case and some of these other cases, including O.J. And we've also seen some, some convictions. So one of the things that's going to, you know, both sides are going to be voidering heavily on, or what kind of preconceived notions have Americans formed about Robert Durst, given just the incredibly unusual, fascinating, some would say, life that he's led? Um, I, I, you know, I'm also wondering when you, when you hear about, like people were saying that and raised an eyebrow when Winona Ryder, for example, who had money was shoplifting, but not the kind of money this guy has necessarily, and you know, has so much, um, you know, that, that could be used to argue that he's, he's not mentally stable. And that's a, another good point. That's definitely something that I would imagine would come up. And, you know, on the point of mental instability, obviously, you're going to be, we're going to be looking at his whole life, and both sides are going to be taking a look at the way he behaved, you know, around these crimes and, and otherwise. But, you know, cold cases don't usually warm up with such simple bits of evidence. You know, normally you hear those new forensics that came out or those new techniques and testing things that are 30 years old. Here, we've got good old-fashioned statements that both the hot mic statements and some of the other statements that came out during this docudrama, and we've got handwriting comparison. So this is something that is really getting to be a better case based on some tried and true evidentiary techniques that we've been using forever. So there's just so many interesting twists to this 
saga, if you will, that uh, I think it's going to be one of the, the most watched trials we've seen in a long time, fueled in part by all of the new facts that were unearthed through his agreeing to participate in this drama that so captivated you the other night. <laughs> um, I, I also want to know, uh, you know, in, in your position and with your experience, is it a sad statement that a documentary unearthed both evidence and a tape recording, two things that were enough for an arrest after this case had been cold for so many years and just one of three cases, uh, you know, A, and B, is this what we're going to see in the future? Because to me, law enforcement should have done this, not some documentary filmmakers for HBO. You know, law enforcement has been looking at this case continuously. So, you know, sometimes when we all think of a cold case, we imagine something sitting on a shelf somewhere or, or having been reduced to microfilm in somebody's basement in the courthouse. But really, cold cases are actively looked at over the years. And every time there's something new that comes up, a new witness, a new forensic technique, those cases are looked at again. So this is a case that probably falls into that category. It, is, you know, there's, it never really goes completely cold. And, when, and remember that this docudrama is not the first time that a movie or a series has been made about Robert Durst. In fact, it was a movie that was very much based on portions of his life that spurred an interest in this miniseries. Uh, it's also true, however, the second point you made, I'm going to agree with as well, is we are going to expect to see more of this because it is so easy to form movies and dramas, and especially with the advent of social media, more than ever before we are seeing interesting criminals. And I, I hate to phrase it that way, but it's this morbid curiosity curiosity that fuels the public's interest in crime stories. I mean, look at how much is on TV already. So, yes, I would not be... Hey, you're talking to an ID channel it. addict, so I fully understand yeah. what you... <laughs> okay. Oh, that makes my point. So, yes, we're going to be seeing more of this, and we can only hope it'll lead to more unsolved crimes becoming solved, because that's what we're really after, isn't it? Is yes, or, or maybe some of those... Waited. Yeah, or maybe there'll be more uh, cold case units opened or, you know, people assigned to those, or people and maybe it'll put a match under the butts and out of people that aren't trying uh, but to dust off some of those boxes and uh, look and realize that there there are families out there that are still absolutely for, for justice Hope, and for that day in court things occur that would be the best of both worlds I, I agree absolutely we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll continue with our guest dr wendy l patrick a career trial attorney we're talking about the durst air facing a murder charge after the documentary broadcast the documentary is hbo's the jinx and the air is robert durst pick up the phone and join us 8886 leslie 888-653-7543 follow wendy on twitter at wendy patrick phd and the website is wendypatrickphd.com back to her back to you right after this we are back so is she dr wendy l patrick career trial attorney uh, dr patrick thank you for holding welcome back uh, let's take some calls 8886 Leslie, 888-653-7543. Reggie in Decatur, Georgia, line one, oh, excuse me, line five. Question or comment for Dr. Patrick. I have a, I have a question for Dr. Wendy Patrick. Uh, do you think that these, uh, these, like these say, these channels or these documentaries about serial killers or killers or criminals in general, you know, give other people ideas on how to commit murder? You know, like, you know, like the, uh, like TV show, shows like, um, Deadly Women and Snapped and all of that, you know, those kinds of shows or documentaries or even movies like bog, bog, you know, big rock, I mean, bog, you know, biographies or, like I said, documentaries, put some ideas into the wrong people's heads, you know, like crazy psychotic people who think that 
by watching these shows, they could commit murder and get away with it just by watching the reenactments. Of, you know, I cannot hear Reggie at all. Unless you can't hear Reggie at all. Okay, guys, what you want to tell me? What he's asking? Yeah. Um, guys, uh, can 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 uh, you know? Let's uh, let's make sure that Reggie's volume is up so that our guests can hear. Uh, go ahead, Reggie. Please repeat it. Oh yeah, I was just saying that. Do you think that shows such as Deadly Women and Snapped and all of these? Uh, movies and documentaries about serial killers and killers in general and criminals uh, give give ideas and the impressions to the wrong people to, to go out and commit murders and crimes and all that stuff because they saw it in these documentaries or these shows such as Deadly Women. And you Stars. know, Leslie, I'm going to let you tell me what he's asking. Okay, so uh, basically, basically, <laughs> basically, Reggie is asking if shows like on ID Channel, the the channel we talked about before the break, uh-huh. like Deadly Women, some of these documentaries. Um, you know, he's asking if, if actually it's more harmful than helpful, not necessarily documentaries like in this case, The Jinx, but sure. some, of these, some of these programs. In other words, are people getting ideas and going out and doing stuff like this because they're more exposed to all of these stories that are out there of other, yeah. you know, deadly women as an example? Yeah, Reggie, thank you for your call. We worry about that, don't we? We worry that sometimes shows might cause copycat behavior. I, I don't know that we can say that for sure it happened, that it's true. And one of the reasons the experts will tell you is, you know, you've got to be predisposed to go out and commit a heinous crime. In other words, you're not going to get normal, healthy people watching these shows that suddenly turn into serial killers. But, Reggie, to your point, we worry that somebody that is already predisposed, who maybe has been thinking about it might be inspired, which I think is a good word to use. You know, I think about the case of Adam Lanza, who went out and committed the, the horrendous Sandy Hook shooting, and then when you look in his basement, he had clippings of similar school shootings in different locations. You know, you can't maybe argue that that made him do it, but you could argue that perhaps it was a contributing factor. At least many have made that argument. So, Reggie, I think you're, you're right on in, in worrying that maybe somebody that's already predisposed or thinking about it could potentially look at some of these shows and get some ideas. We do worry about that, and producers worry about that, and they weigh those kinds of considerations into the balance when deciding, you know, what kind of storylines are we going to use, or are we going to just chronicle real crime like a lot of the most popular shows do, like the Jinx? So good question. Uh, most definitely. Uh, you know, what, what bothers me, though, is let, let's just talk about rape kits, right, for example? Thousands yeah. of them not tested. You, you know, it has law enforcement. I'm trying to pick on law enforcement, but I mean, do we have a problem in our legal system? And is it just because we don't have the man and woman power and the money um, to do what we need to do to maybe release people who might be innocent, who are behind bars wrongly? Well, what Convi- uh, be able to arrest people and bring charges against you know individuals out there who you know might be guilty of crimes. You know, just looking at that alone, I mean, you know, there are thousands of untested rape kits. There are thousands of cold case files. This this is just one case involving one woman, technically three people. But if you get them on one, you really don't even need to for the other two, technically. 
Yeah, and, you know, that was a big story over the weekend is that we are now seeing, you know, the reasons why there have been some some evidence, some rape kits that have been, you know, not tested over the years. And what's it due to? It could be due to a variety of those things. And that's actually under investigation right now in some of the stories we've seen recently. Because when you've got cases that are solved through DNA, you know, you, you've got the other side saying, well, now let's see if we might exonerate somebody through DNA because nobody wins if the wrong person is convicted. That's a loose for, that's a loss for everyone. We want due process for the defendants. We want justice. We want justice for, for the victims. But we want everybody to be treated fairly. And that is one of the reasons that it concerns everybody that we've just got to go through, you know, the evidence that is lying dormant. And I think what we're going to see is more resources being devoted to that. Maybe there are ways we can do them quicker and faster. That's some of the things that you heard discussed over the weekend on the topic of untested evidence. How soon can we get to it? Why haven't we got to it sooner? So it's a concern that is shared by everyone, and I think what we'll hopefully see in the future is ways in which we might be able to expedite at least some of these cases that are more likely to lead us to some type of a conclusion one way or another that could either, you know, free somebody that's been wrongfully convicted or help us apprehend someone at large right. if we've got something like a DNA hit. We, we see this happening all the time. Absolutely. Uh, Wendy, you're awesome. Dr. Wendy L. Patrick, career trial attorney. She'll be back on the show. She was with us in February today, and we'll have her back again in the future. Follow her on Twitter at Wendy Patrick PhD. Her website is wendypatrickphd.com.